0: So this morning's reading is taken from 2 Kings, chapter 2, which is the story of Elijah taken up to heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on the way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said... As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on the dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me. What can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. "'Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah?' he asked. "'When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. "'The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, "'The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha.' "'And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. "'Look,' they said, "'we your servants have fifty able men. "'Let them go and look for your master.' Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on the mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Non.
1: Thank you, Non. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you know best what we need most. And Father, I pray that your word would feed us and your spirit would lead us for the glory of Jesus. Amen. That that was a very precious time of worship, wasn't it? And I I just mentioned to Mark, I know what's going to happen tomorrow morning. I'm going to wake up singing Holy Forever. So it's just one of those songs that gets inside you. It's very precious. Um, Well, who would have guessed waking up on Monday morning that a previous prime minister was going to be appointed foreign secretary that day? I don't think many people here would have guessed that. But Dodgy Dave, as uh, Dennis Skinner referred to him, actually personally I think it's a good appointment, but we won't go into that or we won't get too political, um, has been appointed. And, you know, there are, moment, there are unexpected moments, aren't there? And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a critical time for the government. It's a crit- critical time in terms of, our foreign engagement as well. And um, I wonder how many of you coming in to church this morning anticipated that you might hear an announcement about Mark and Kate moving on. And, um, you know, we have these transitional moments. And in our story, as we've continued this series on prophetic courage... Uh, It's a transitional moment for Elijah and Elisha. Elijah passes over the the mantle of prophetic ministry to Elisha. And transitions can be exhilarating, but transitions can be very complex as well. I remember my uh, lovely, wise spiritual director saying to me on one occasion, you know, Andy, be aware, transitions can be complicated. And um, it's interesting, we, we, we're going to dive into this transitional moment for Elijah and Elisha this morning. I love the fact that we were um, James, in the book of James, Elijah is described as a human being just like us. And um, Jeff, Jeff Lucas, who wrote a commentary on, uh, on Elijah, entitled it Elijah Anointed and Stressed. And um, I'm sure there's an element of that. Um, I, I love the fact that Elijah is just so human. He is like us. We all experience those times where we might feel anointed, but we can feel stressed as well. So be, be reassured that if, if that's the case, that um, you're in good company. So um, just say, please be assured, we've got some medical support there. So um, let's just pray, just pray the Lord's peace over Vera. Lord, thank you that you see Vera's needs, and we pray your peace over her now, and we pray she would receive all the care and attention that she needs. In Jesus' name, amen. I think Elijah would urge us in four different ways as, as we look at this passage. Um, and the first is this. He would say to us, run your section well. Run your section well. If we can have that slide up, please. You see, Elijah knew that his times were in God's hands. In Elijah knew his ministry was much less about him. It was about the Lord. It was about building the kingdom. And um, Elijah needed to run his section well. And as part of that, he needed to invest in the training of others. I don't know if you noticed, in, um, in, as Norm was reading, there's reference to the company of prophets at Bethel, and the company of prophets at Jericho. And Elijah had been investing in growing these people in maturity, in prophetic ministry. And to grow as life-giving, wise, loving prophets takes time. And God isn't in the business of, of microwaving that, it takes time. If we truly want to be those who will carry God's word and God's encouragement to people, do you know that doesn't happen overnight? And as, as, as Paul taught in Corinthians, um, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, eagerly desire prophecy. Eagerly desire prophecy for the comfort, for the encouragement, for the strengthening of, of God's people. But what's the foundation? The foundation is in 1 Corinthians 13, it's love. It always has to be that because otherwise we will use prophetic words to manipulate. We use prophetic words to point people to us. We might be harsh with them when God isn't wanting to be. And actually, Elijah has been investing in maturing and nurturing these, uh, these prophets. And that's very important for the future. And I wondered, just pause for a moment. What is God calling you to do at the moment in terms of investing in an upcoming generation? Because we can all do that, whatever stage of life we're at. You know, some of you I know are teachers and bless you in that work. Some of you really invest in our kids and youth ministry and we are so grateful for that. But all of us will have opportunities. We'll all have opportunities to invest in an upcoming generation. And don't be surprised if if the Lord brings opportunities this week across your path. But be asking, Lord, what can I do to be investing? That's part of running your section well. And as part of that, we see that Elijah was preparing to pass the baton, a prophetic ministry, over to Elisha. And it's interesting, baton passing isn't always straightforward. We know that in businesses. You know, it's true in churches. It's true in the military. It's true in you know, any field of endeavor. Baton passing isn't always straight- straightforward. We know that's true in athletics. There are times when the best, the fastest teams, just don't win the relays because the baton passing is messed up. 2004, the Athens Olympics, Great Britain won the, the British won the men's 100, you know, 100 meters relay. Why was that? Well, we did not have the fastest athletes, but actually, it was a triumph for baton passing. And Elijah invests in seeking to pass the baton, a prophetic ministry, to Elisha. You know, it's interesting. Almost casually, in 1 Kings 19, after Elisha has been suffering from exhaustion, and God begins to restore him and recommission him, almost kind of casually, it's mentioned and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. And from that point on, Elijah was preparing to pass the baton. Sometimes passing the baton is hard because we think, oh, that person's going to eclipse me. And, and sometimes... The Lord just says, trust me with this baton passing. Trust me with this baton passing. Engage in it. What we do see is that we see Elijah discipling Elisha with a light touch. It's lovely, with a light touch. There's no heavy shepherding. There's no coercion. There's no spiritual manipulation. But it's light touch discipling And at the heart of that, as Jesus taught us, is friendship to his disciples. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. And I wonder, during their three and a half thousand nights and days together, the sort of conversations that Elijah and Elisha would have had around the campfires in the evenings. And I think there would have been times when Elisha would have said, you know, Elijah, tell me, how did you keep trusting in Yahweh on Mount Carmel after all that water had been poured down on the sacrifice? How did you trust the fire was going to come? Elijah, tell me, how did you cope with the fear in your guts when you were asked to confront Ahab? How did you cope with that? And over time, Gently, Elijah discipled him. And he gave Elisha space to make mistakes, to make his own discoveries about hearing the Lord. But there was an intentional light-touch discipling that was taking place. And that's what the Lord calls us to. Secondly, I believe Elijah would urge us, ask life-giving questions. Ask life-giving questions. very good friend of ours who is, um, is a very eminent academic, actually, and his um, our daughter's godfather. He was a master at a, a college in Cambridge and is now vice chancellor at a senior university in, in the UK. As he was growing up, his parents, when he came back from school, his parents didn't ask him what were your grades or um, you know, how well did you do in that test alongside other people. What they said was, what questions did you ask your teacher? What questions did you ask your teacher? Life-giving questions are really important. As Elijah and Elisha had crossed the Jordan, Elijah turns to Elisha and he says to him, what, do you, what can I do for you before I'm taken away from you? What can I do for you? What a lovely question. And we know that Jesus was brilliant at asking those questions. To blind Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And we'd have thought, well, it's pretty obvious. I'm blind. But Jesus had a purpose in it. And part of the genius behind Elijah's question was he was saying, I'm putting the onus on you. You know, Elisha, you need to take responsibility. It's about you taking responsibility for your ministry. And so, how was Elijah, Elisha going to respond? And Elisha's kind of said, I want this to be for God's glory, so let me have a double portion of your spirit. But that wasn't for Elisha to shine. It was so that God would be glorified. Let me have a double portion of your spirit. And I think there are times when we ask unhelpful and unhealthy questions And there are times when God says, just check yourself. What questions are you asking in your life at the moment? Are they life-giving questions? That's what Jesus is in the business of. He's in the business of life-giving questions. When I heard Mark and Kate's news, I was, just at that time, I was reading Psalm 27 quite a lot. And in there there's kind of a plea of David's, a question. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways in this time, in this transition. And it's a question I will be asking over the next few months. But we all, whatever circumstances we're in, we all need to be asking, seeking to ask life-giving questions. I wonder what questions the Lord is prompting you to ask. In this season, a third thing I believe the Lord would, uh, well, the Lord through Elijah would urge us is to serve willingly and be teachable in the waiting. You know, see, God takes time to mature and prepare us. And He kind of says at times, don't miss out on the training, don't miss out on the training. There's a purpose in my timing and there's a purpose in my training apparently this week a macallan 1926 macallan single malt whiskey was sold for 2.1 million now that's been seriously matured very well seasoned and elisha was matured over those 10 years And some of the qualities that we can see Elisha displaying, I think, can speak to us as we say, "Lord, prepare me in this season." And the first is this: he he displayed a willing heart. Because when Elijah first met him, Elisha wasn't just sitting under a tree, daydreaming about his destiny. He was ploughing the field with 12 pairs of oxen. He also came from a wealthy family. And do you know the Father, our Lord, doesn't look for activists, but he does look for workers. He says, will you roll your sleeves up? Will you be willing to put in a bit of sweat? I remember, um, I remember observing that in tests when, um, before she was appointed children's pastor. I remember thinking, she's got a willing heart. Claire, Inkpen, is, that was something that was really noticeable in Claire before she was appointed to her post. And there'll be people that you see and you think, wow, they've got a really willing heart. We also see with Elisha that he had a servant-hearted spirit. There was something about Elisha. He poured water over the hands of Elijah and he wanted to serve him. Some of you will remember Justin Tompkins. He had that sort of spirit. Actually, I believe Mark Ambler, our ops director, has a similar spirit. Desire to serve. And it's very precious. And... The Lord looks for that as He grows us. There's also an honoring attitude we see in Elisha because sometimes it's not easy to wait, is it? Not easy to wait for our turn. And when the company of the prophets approach Elisha and say, Do you realize your master's going to be taken from you? You know, he could have been tempted to say, Well, about time, too. You know, he's hung around for far too long, this old codger. But he, he honours him. And he said, you know, don't talk to me about it. Be quiet. This is going to be painful. And there's something very honouring in that. And then we see supremely in Elisha this passion for God's glory. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Let me inherit that. Because if I do, I'll be able to glorify you even more. So Elijah would urge us, serve willingly and be teachable in the waiting. And then finally, and and very briefly, Elijah would say, when the moment of transition comes, step into your new shoes. Step into your new shoes. Now's the time. Now's the time, Elisha. Take up my cloak and step into the new shoes of your new ministry. And there are moments when God has said, I've been preparing you. Step into your new shoes. Mark and Kate are at that stage where the Lord has been preparing them. And, you know, some of us might have had other plans for them, but the Lord knows his plans. The Lord knows his plans. And the Lord is saying, now's the time you can prepare to step into your new shoes. And that's true for all of us in different ways. You know, when we reach that point, and the Lord will be saying to Elisha, while you've been a great apprentice, step into your new shoes and walk with confidence into the future I prepared for you. So let's just still our hearts and let's just allow the Lord to seal in our hearts and minds what he's been wanting to say to us. Father, thank you, as we've been thinking today, that our times are in your hands. But thank you we're active partners with you in that. Lord, I pray that we might each run our section well. I pray that, Lord, you would teach us to ask life-giving questions. Father, I pray that we might serve willingly and be teachable. Lord, grow teachable spirits within us. And Lord, at those different transition moments in our lives, whether that's in a work context, whether it's in a family context, whether that's in a ministry context, Lord, may we step into the new shoes that you provide for us with with a confident humility and seek to glorify your name for Jesus' glory. Amen.